we've got a problem in psychiatry, the illness that is most likely to cause episodes of depression, bipolar disorder, is also the most likely to get worse on an antidepressant. But the news is not all bad. And today, I'll bring you the latest word with a little help from our friend and colleague, Joe Goldberg. Welcome to the Carlat Psychiatry Podcast, keeping psychiatry honest since 2003. I'm Chris Aiken, and my co-host Kelly Newsom is away in her homeland today, Melbourne, Australia. Last weekend, I went to the ninth annual Mood Disorders Summit. I took some notes, and I'm going to share some highlights on the podcast, starting with an action-packed review of antidepressants and bipolar disorder from Joe Goldberg. Now, whether you are for or against antidepressants and bipolar, you're likely to find something challenging your beliefs here. But first, to clarify, we are only talking about adding an antidepressant to an anti-manic medication. Antidepressant monotherapy is not recommended in bipolar disorder. Now, antidepressants are not for everyone with bipolar disorder, so when should you use them? Joe Goldberg worked hard to identify the type of bipolar patient who is a good candidate for an antidepressant. That is, someone who has no history of getting worse on them, someone who lacks recent mania, hypomania, rapid cycling, and who lacks current mixed symptoms in their depression. Also, preferably someone who has bipolar 2 rather than bipolar 1. Someone who lacks a history of substance use disorders, as that is associated with worsening. And here's the catcher, someone who has a history of responding very well to an antidepressant in one of their past trials. The problem is, according to Joe, that these kinds of patients are very rare, particularly because of those mixed symptoms. About half of patients in the real-world STEP-BD study had mixed symptoms during their bipolar depression. The DSM requires three of these symptoms to qualify for a mixed features diagnosis. But Joe expressed some concern even about those who have just one or two mixed manic symptoms during their depression. So when you see someone with bipolar depression, watch out for racing thoughts, irritability, hyperactivity distractibility, and impulsivity. Those manic symptoms look very different when they overlap with depression. The racing thoughts are not going to be about exciting plans or pleasurable pursuits. More likely, they're going to be anxiety-ridden thoughts, and the patient will complain, I just can't shut my mind off. The hyperactivity is not likely to be goal-directed in mixed depression. When these patients wear activity monitors, we see that they pace aimlessly, moving from room to room, restless and agitated. And the impulsivity in a mixed state is not going to be very pleasurable or fun. It's likely to have a destructive edge. A patient will be breaking things, quitting their job instead of starting a new job, ending relationships instead of starting new ones. Later in the conference, Dr. Greg Mattingly warned 
that antidepressants can worsen mood when non-bipolar patients have mixed symptoms, as they can in the diagnosis major depression with mixed features. And now here I would emphasize that we should count all three symptoms the DSM requires before we start to worry about an antidepressant, because we're just not as sure that these patients have a bipolar nature. And myself, I'm usually more concerned when a depressed patient with some mixed features also has other features of soft bipolarity, like an early age of onset in their teen years, or a family history of bipolar, or they have highly recurrent depression, which itself is a marker for bipolarity. Greg suggested that atypical antipsychotics work better for these kinds of patients. In my experience, lamotrigine and lithium are also helpful, but Greg is going by the evidence here because indeed, lorizodone, latuda, has enough evidence in major depression with mixed features that it almost got FDA approved for this. Although these antidepressant responders are rare, you do want to look out for them because if a patient with bipolar disorder does have a really good response to an antidepressant, it's likely that they're going to get worse if it's taken away. Joe drew that conclusion from a widely cited 2003 study by the late Lori Ottschuler and colleagues in which they followed 84 patients with bipolar depression who had full remission after starting their antidepressant. So these were the lucky ones. And one year later, here's how it looked. The ones who stayed on that antidepressant were about twice as likely to remain in remission compared to the ones who discontinued it. 70% remission versus 36% with the discontinuations. Altshuler's study was not randomized, but Joe drove the point home with another study from her group that brought more clarity. This time, they randomized antidepressant responders with bipolar depression to either stay on their antidepressant or switch to a blinded placebo for a year. Again, the ones who responded very well, who had full remission on the antidepressant, did much better by staying on the drug, validating their initial study. But this study added one thing more because they included patients who responded only part way. For these partial responders, staying on the antidepressant didn't do any good. So the bottom line, if your patient has a full response to an antidepressant in bipolar depression, keep them on the med. But if their response was just part way or iffy, it's better to taper it off. I can think of one exception to this rule, which is rapid cycling. Now that we have more long-term controlled trials of antidepressants in bipolar disorder, we have become aware that rapid cycling is possibly an even bigger problem than acute mania on them. So you should always keep in mind that a great response to an antidepressant might just really be the upswing in a series of rapid cycles that are about to unfold. 
when antidepressants cause rapid cycling. They can just make the patient cycle in and out of depression. You might not see any hypomanias or manias at all, or the patient may not tell you about them if they do happen. But eventually, in my experience, after about 6 or 12 months, all of those cycles are going to collapse into a mixed state where the patient is much worse off than before they started the antidepressant. So when we talk about keeping a great responder on, we're looking for sustained recovery, not just a flash in the pan. The final thing that can go wrong with antidepressants is mood switching, either into mania, hypomania, or a mixed state. Switches into full mania are rare. Joe estimates that they happen about 12 to 15% of the time. Most antidepressants just are not powerful enough to flip people all the way into mania from depression. It's a long journey. Instead, they just sprinkle some mixed symptoms on top of the depression, in which case your patient is not going to call you and say, Doc, I'm in a mixed state. For patients, mixed states just feel like a worse depression, one with much more charged anxiety. It's as if everything in the depression has been magnified. I tend to see more swings into full mania with older antidepressants like the MAOIs and tricyclics than I do with the newer ones, which makes sense. The research tells us that MAOIs and tricyclics are the most likely to cause switching. The least likely is probably bupropion wellbutrin. But if your patient does call in a new mood state, how do you know if it's the med that caused it, or is it just the natural course of the illness? Well, as with a lot of things in psychiatry, you never know the cause, but you can know the classification. Mood switches that happen within 12 weeks of starting the antidepressant are officially classified as antidepressant-induced, according to the International Society for Bipolar Disorders. Let's recap. If you use an antidepressant in bipolar disorder, make sure to have an anti-manic mood stabilizer on board, like lithium, carbamazepine, valproate, or an atypical antipsychotic, preferably one that is FDA-approved in bipolar mania, because some of the non-approved ones, like brexpiprazole, rexalti, and palipiridone and vega, did not actually pass the randomized controlled test in mania. Lamotrigine is less clear. This one prevents mania a little, but it does not treat it at all. And we don't know if lamotrigine is strong enough to prevent mania when someone is on an antidepressant. It might be okay for bipolar 2 patient who has all the favorable antidepressant signs that Joe Goldberg mentioned but I would not use lamotrigine alone with an antidepressant in bipolar 1 disorder. Joe did not advise us to use antidepressants or to avoid them. Rather, he laid out what might happen if we do. And here's how it is. Some patients with bipolar depression will get better on the antidepressant. 
and if they recover fully, they should stay on them. Nasser Gami estimates that about 20% of people with bipolar disorder have this very good response. Others respond partway, and here it's usually best to taper off to avoid two problems that antidepressants can bring, acute mood switching and rapid cycling. But in Joe's view, mood switching and rapid cycling are not actually the biggest problems with antidepressants in bipolar. The most likely outcome, he said, is that the drug is just going to do nothing, no better and no worse than a placebo. That is what most of the studies tell us about antidepressants in bipolar disorder. Joe's talk prompted a lively discussion, including this very salient question from the audience, what counts as an antidepressant? Monoamines was the answer the medications that increase transmission and block reuptake of serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine. So the classic antidepressants, tricyclics, trazodone, mirtazapine, SSRIs, SNRIs, bupropion. There are lots of medications that treat depression through other mechanisms, and increasingly we're discovering a lot of them ketamine, antipsychotics, anti-inflammatories, and the latest, dextromethorphan, which just got FDA approved and is now on the pharmacy shelves as a bupropion combo pill called Ovulity. I think it's pronounced that way because it should rhyme with velocity, because the one thing that this combo pill offers that's unique is a faster rate of onset. But whether or not those novel agents cause mania or rapid cycling is unknown. One speaker mentioned that even the gold standard anti-manic lithium has a case series where it supposedly caused mania, but that this is most likely a random result. I mean, if enough patients take lithium for bipolar disorder, and certainly many have, sooner or later a clinician is going to see a few manias after starting it, and write it up for publication. The Mood Disorders Summit is a great conference, and it's going strong in its ninth year. Since COVID, it has been virtual, but next year they will bring back the old-fashioned in-person feel with their 10th conference in Scottsdale, Arizona, September 2023. The conference is actually going to be a hybrid event, so you can live stream from home if you prefer. And whether online or in person, the conference is free for all. I hope to see you there next September. I'll be back in two weeks with more pearls from the conference. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn for a daily dose of research updates in psychiatry. Twitter handle Chris Aiken, MD. Today's study tested several mood stabilizers to see which one had the best cognitive profile in first episode bipolar disorder. The winner, lithium. 